Welcome to BIB Today, the podcast from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver. I'm Kurt Point, publisher and editor-in-chief. The provincial government today announced a very ambitious plan to pursue what it calls inclusive growth and clean growth. It's an aspirational plan with a few immediate actions, today featuring a significant investment in a complex at BCIT for skills training. But there's a lot more to come, and we want to get into some of this today with the lead minister on this plan. Ravi Kalan is the province's jobs, economic recovery, and innovation minister. He joins me now. Good to see you. Hey, nice to see you, Kirk. Thanks for having me. Oh, look, uh, I'm I'm wondering about what the guiding principles were in devising a, a very large plan like this. I think the largest uh, under your government. Well, uh, Kirk, first off, let me say that um, the process of getting here is was just as important as the, as the product itself. Uh, we uh, took a different approach of creating this plan, uh, really a grassroots approach where we brought people from the resource sector, from the environmental movement, from labor, First Nations and not-for-profit, and we put them all at the same table to discuss what they thought was important for the economy as we go forward. And what you see in the economic plan is a reflection of that. It's a plan that that is focused on people. It ensures that uh, it enshrines what we believe, which is people is our people are our competitive advantage. And uh, and what's reflected in this ambitious plan is the fact that we have learned a lot over the last two years. I mean, the pandemic, fires, floods, heat domes, uh, all these things have uh, taught us a lot of things about. Uh, vulnerabilities within our economy that we not we must address as we're going forward so that we're more resilient and prepared for the future. I mean, the lesson that I, I infer from this in the documentation and in your announcement today is that we can't go back, can't really go back to the way things were. But um, it's less, a little less clear on how exactly you're going to get from here to there now. Um, that there's still a lot of meat to go on the bone here before we we get to this. Um, where do you want to start? Well, you uh, you're right. I mean, the the foundation of this you can't go back. We you know there's just too many things that have happened. The rate of change and the pace of change that we've seen through the pandemic is not about to slow down. And so uh, there's a lot of places we can start, but fundamentally to this core of this plan is what people in the pandemic uh, have told us and what people have seen clearly, which is there is no disconnect between social investments, as they were seen typically, and economic investments. The two are interlinked. Uh, you know, of course, we need to help companies scale up and export and, uh, and, and, and be profitable and successful. That's going to continue to be very important. But we now know we also need to focus on housing. We need to focus on childcare. We need to focus on skills and reskilling, not only providing young people that are coming into the economy with opportunities to succeed, but also our existing workforce. Uh, you know, between climate change and technological change, there is a lot happening and it's not about to slow down. So, um, you know, it is ambitious, it is bold, it is a vision for where we need to go 10 years, uh, but we've already got things in here that start showing that we're heading in a different direction. The business community, as you know, it has, has, you know, the NDP is probably not the first choice when it wants to uh, elect a government. So it, it's wary at times. And some of the initial response so far has been, look, these are noble objectives. Um, business gets it. Uh, certainly they get some of the tactics, things like 
childcare business community has, has long, uh, long advocated. Um, but what I guess worries them, it seems to me, on the, what I'm reading so far from them, is that there's not any really clear sense of how these initiatives contribute to growth, contribute to standard of living, um, and don't necessarily make the province even less competitive from a tax standpoint. So talk a bit to that. Well, I, I would say that um, many in the business community, of course, you know, just like any other sector, you cannot never get everybody happy. But many in the in the business community understand that uh, we have been doing a good job as a province. Uh, you know, if you look at through the pandemic, uh, we have more people working right now than we did prior to the pandemic, and that's when we were still in the fifth wave. If you compare us to other provinces, uh, the supports and the measures we put in have been very targeted. But because we've done it in partnership, uh, we have actually given people space to be at the table. Uh, they don't have to pay a big donor ticket to come and contribute to uh, the, the economy that they want to see. We invite them. It's an open door and uh, and everyone is welcome to contribute. And they have. And that's reflected in the plan. Uh, yes, people in the business community have said it's ambitious and they want to see where it goes. But we know we need to address productivity. And the way you address productivity is by ensuring you have a very skilled workforce, that you're continuously finding opportunities to enhance that and train people. That's where a major focus of our work is going to be. But we also um, are starting to signal where we think there's real growth opportunities. Uh, there's uh, the life sciences and biomanufacturing strategy. Uh, we've been working really closely with the life science sector to develop that with them. Uh, we didn't want Canada to say that, uh, you know, we're having a national strategy and this is where BC plays a role. No, we told, I told Minister Champagne, that's not how we roll in BC. What we want to do is we want to develop where we want to be and we will come to you. And, and he respected that. And I was really appreciative of, of him saying, okay, that, that makes sense. So we're going to be advancing some initiatives there um, and the strategy will be launched very soon. Uh, when it comes to agritech, we see huge opportunities, but the public does as well. You, we know that with climate change, there is massive disruption coming to the way we produce food. Uh, California has uh, got droughts and fires just like we do, and they're not producing the type of food that they were able to do. So we have to look at agritech. This is not something that is nice to do. It, it, it's a must to ensure not only that we feed BC, but that also we're not buying the innovation from other parts of the world, that we actually are selling and exporting that. And so those are two. And of course, I can go on a whole bunch of others that are highlighted in the plan, but I know you probably have other questions. Oh, yeah, sure. I've got a few questions. Uh, glad, glad of you to give me some time. Um, the, the tax competitiveness issue, as you know, still hovers over this province. Uh, the Business Council, British Columbia, uh, Board of Trade, a lot of other groups have, have basically said, you know, th this still remains a bit of an issue here. Uh, not a bit, quite a bit of an issue here. How do you um, encourage all of these sectors, invest in many of them, obviously, guide growth in some respects without further making British Columbia uncompetitive from a tax standpoint. Someone's got to pay for this. Yeah, and I would say that every sector is different. Uh, we're seeing historic investments in uh, mining uh, in BC. We're going to see a lot more actually in the, in the coming years. Uh, we're seeing investments in, in different sectors in different ways. But I would say that competitiveness 
uh, of course you need to be competitive on taxes. And we believe we are, uh, and, and you know, but there's also other measures. There is the critical need to uh, obviously spend uh, investments in uh, skills training, there's infrastructure, there's housing, there's childcare, uh, there's our public healthcare system. So uh, uh, as you know, Kirk, and many people that are watching will know competitiveness is much broader than just uh, the tax measure, but we are sensitive to that. Uh, it's something that we're gonna continue to work with different sectors on. And there will be places where we may need to look at levers to further support uh, certain businesses. But I would say that overall, we are competitive, but this plan uh, has throughout it weaved the very important notion that we need to continue to be more competitive. And as a person who spent my life in sport, uh, you know, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Uh, and we were sharing different sports analogies. I do believe that. And so we're working with sector by sector on what it is we need. For example, I'll say that um, we hear from some sectors saying, you know what, if, if we worked on the permit times and reduced permit times, that would make us more competitive. So we're working with them on how do we address that. A new ministry has been announced uh, by the Premier and we'll have more details on that very soon. But it will look at reconciliation, but it will also look at how do we move permits in a faster way so that we can see the uh, development uh, and the economic results. And, and lastly, Kirk, you and I have also talked about uh, interprovincial trade barriers that we need to address. And, and I've highlighted with you that BC, we're actually taking a lead uh, on some initiatives and we've got endorsement from all the provinces uh, to reduce some barriers between provinces, which can be challenging because uh, every province has their own uh, agenda. But getting everybody to agree on these was a, it was a huge win. How do you then, how do you square the uh, significant, and I would call it a Nobel issue, of, of, um, of you know, a kind of a redistribution of wealth in a province like this, all the while not changing the tax treatment of some people? How, how, do, you, how do you affect that with a plan like this? Well, you know, Kirk, I would say that instead of waiting for uh, the outcomes of an economy, and then dealing that uh, with the societal cost that comes with it, whether that's the impacts of climate or whether that's um, uh, you know how people are impacted. Um, I think it's more prudent for us as a government, and this plan lays out to deal with it on the front end. So providing people the skills, opportunities, so that they can advance themselves. If we know some sectors are growing whether we know like construction, whether it's um, the natural resource sector, whether it's tech, and I say tech broadly, how do we ensure that those people that were most vulnerable, those were the most um, impacted in the pandemic, actually have an opportunity to participate in those new opportunities. I think that's one of the ways you do that. And that's why uh, skills training, reskilling, uh, having inclusive growth means ensuring that people who disproportionately have been left out from sectors that pay very well, uh, that they get a chance to be part of that. So it makes our economy and our society more resilient for any shocks in the future. Um, the province brought in a, a really quite a prominent economist um, based in London, uh, Mariana Mazzucato, and um, and she obviously had some impact on that. What, what did you feel were her contributions in the end to what we saw today in the way of a document? 
You know, I, I'm so grateful for Professor Mazzucato's uh, support. Uh, you know, from day one, uh, we said to her, this is a BC plan made by BC for BC, and she fully understood. She works with jurisdictions around the world, and she totally respects that because it's not unique for every jurisdiction to make their own plan. But her advice and guidance was uh, instrumental um, in, in this, uh, you know, this, this, this view of the economy, how to drive innovation across your economy, and also address societal challenges. Uh, you'll see that all the way through. Uh, also, uh, Professor Mazzucato and her team are now taking our plan and are going to be sending us a report on how do we uh, use the, the mechanisms within government, the decision-making tools in government to be able to drive that type of innovation and growth to address the challenges that we have laid out. So that report will be coming. Uh, and, the, and she's also been very instrumental uh, in helping us with NBC, our strategic investment fund. She was very active, involved in the Scottish investment fund. Uh, in fact, she has connected us uh, with them to make sure that we are not having to relearn the mistakes that they perhaps had made when they launched. And so she's been instrumental. And, you know, again, I'm competitive and I'm, I know that we're competing against the world. And I want to know what the what the, an advisor like her is telling people in other jurisdictions in the world. And that's the insight that she provided us throughout this process. She's been pretty tough on business over the years. Um, and she really does believe that, that governments need in some cases to actually fashion or, or, or create markets for, for certain uh, areas of the economy. And that uh, the spoils, the rewards of, uh, of any kind of government generated growth ought not to necessarily just go to the private sector. Um, how do you think that's going to inform the the path that you're going to take as a government for the next number of years? Yeah, what I would say, Kirk, is, um, and I've been meeting with various business leaders in different sectors, every single one of them acknowledges that what they're doing uh, will help contribute to make BC a better place. So that is not something I think that is uh, uniquely different than what I've been hearing from business leaders. Uh, you know, I know that there's business leaders that are making massive changes to address climate change. And they're not doing it just for the bottom line. They're doing it because they know that their workers uh, and them as a company and their brand, they want to be seen as people who understand where everybody else is. And so I don't think there's a separation between the two. Uh, in fact, I think one of the things that Professor Mazzucato highlights is that, you know, there are ways to ensure that capitalism it, it supports our society in a better way. But if you look at ESG and the conversation that's happening globally on ESG, it's no different. Uh, companies, businesses, investors, all of them want to know that businesses that they're investing in are not only taking environment to heart, but also are looking at their social responsibility. So I don't think it's a new concept. I think it's a concept that BC companies already adopt and perhaps for audience for some of our harsher critiques uh, are in other parts of the world. Yeah. Um, it, it, in reading the document uh, today uh, and uh, watching your announcement, um, it, it was uh, apparent to me, though, that in a lot of ways, even a nation-leading economy like ours over the last decade, you might as well say, uh, doesn't appear to be good enough for us right now. Like the, it has to be better. To your point, if it's not getting better, you're getting worse. Um, how, how do you uh, engineer that, Minister, uh, without then starting to deter from uh, you know from innovation from the the capital that's going to be required from elsewhere in order to fuel all of this um, from losing talent 
to other jurisdictions where it is going to be more softly taxed. How, how do you think this happens? Well, uh, you know, everyone knows uh, that capital is mobile. Well, labor now is mobile. Uh, and so we're competing not only for investment dollars, but we're competing for talent. And, uh, and, and we have a huge competitive advantage in other jurisdictions. I mean, I've been talking to companies that are hiring 60, 70 people every couple of months. Uh, and they're using our, for example, our provincial nominee program to fast track people to, to come here. And, uh, and, and the idea that they can move to British Columbia, have a better life for them, families, have top notch education, have a clean environment, have a stable government. I mean, things that we don't even uh, perhaps uh, reflect on too much. But many people from uh, uh, different parts of the world, they see that as our competitive advantage. And so we're going to continue to leverage that. Uh, you know, uh, we're not naive to, to think that um, that there's not uh, multiple things moving at one time. We have to monitor all the things that are moving at the same time, monitor what other jurisdictions are doing. But we think there's real opportunities. And again, uh, I want to see British Columbia, Premier wants to see British Columbia be a place where we're creating uh, innovation and new technologies and, and changing the way things are happening and then taking that and exporting that as opposed to being reliant on other jurisdictions. And, and there's some sectors where we think we have real opportunities, but quite frankly, all our sectors are adapting very well, uh, but we have work to do. Yeah. Um, a, a personal question for you. Um, I, I want to hear what it is that you feel you've personally learned. What's been your revelation in this process and in in basically in, in your ministry? Well, I would say that, Kirk, uh, when, uh, when I was tasked, uh, when I first got elected to bring back a human rights commission to BC, uh, I, was, uh, I was doing my first uh, engagement or my first consultation with uh, Indigenous elders and, and leaders. Uh, and I took a beating in that. And it was a really good lesson for me uh, to be better prepared uh, to go into important conversations. But one of the elders pulled me aside and said that his uncle had taught him to listen, learn, and then lead. Uh, and I've taken that to heart with everything I do. And so uh, I, I'm not the type of person that goes out and starts saying things. I listen to people because I know good ideas and uh, and the solutions to many of our challenges are in communities. They're in boardrooms. Uh, they're at the, at the baseball diamond. And so I think that's the lesson I've learned through this role um, is that we need to continue to listen. And, and, and quite frankly, through the pandemic, I mean, you know, we talk about us having more employment now than prior to the pandemic. We talk about 14 new unicorns and investments in mining. All these things are happening and it's fantastic. But, you know, the reason why all these things are happening is that this has been this last two years, people have worked together. I mean, we have companies coming to the table saying and business organizations uh, or saying, how can we help? We have environmental organizations saying, OK, let's be part of the solution. We have labor. Everybody's been at the table uh, saying, how do we help? And so the message to people is this. Um, the same way we've cooperated through the last two years is going to be what's required if we want our economy to succeed for the environment and for people. And, and I think we can do that. We've, I've learned that through the pandemic. I've learned that through the engagement process. And certainly, I think that is what we want to go in the future. Um, last question. It has to do with uh, the rollout of this Stronger BC plan. I mean, obviously, today, there's still a lot of I's to dot and T's to cross uh, as you read the document. It's, uh, it is aspirational, mostly. Um, what's, the, what's the plan for the plan and how it is that you're going to get it out there? Um, I presume it looks like more than a dozen announcements that you're going to need to make uh, along the way. Over how long a period of time do you think 
you'll you'll have to do this in order to really give us the fullest sense of what this plan looks like. Well, uh, we started with today with a $136.6 million investment at BCIT, uh, a state-of-the-art brand new uh, facility that will not only be uh, ensuring that we have the trades, skilled tradespeople for the jobs of the future, but also uh, a center for training carpenters on, on how to build mass timber buildings, uh, also a center for um, the marine sector so we can have the workers that we need there. So that was the first announcement today. Um, there's going to be more announcements coming. Uh, there's a budget next week, which will have a lot more things uh, laid out in it. Uh, but I do think that the measures, the, the measures that you see reflected, the new measures that you see reflected in this uh, will be rolled out in the next year. Uh, and, uh, and I know it's ambitious, but you know, when you're coming out of a pandemic and we know we have the opportunity ahead of us, we need to step up to that ambition. And so the new actions will be rolling out this year. You'll see uh, significant dollars contributing to that in the, in the budget. Um, but the plan and the vision is, is a longer term vision. And we heard that from the business community as well. You know, they made it clear, and, and so did actually a labor and environmentalists, uh, saying, you know, we don't want you to just have plans for electoral cycles. Uh, we want plans that will go 10 years, 15 years down the road. We want thinking and a vision that will go beyond one term of a, uh, of a political party. And that's what we've laid out here. And the new initiatives uh, will be rolled out this year. And, uh, and I'm super excited about all of them. Yeah, well, in reading the document, it almost felt like you were going into an election in about three months. Uh, but let's uh, let's leave that one aside. Uh, then, then last thing, I can't leave you saying significant dollars without at least asking, do you have in your mind how large an initiative this is? Are we talking about $10 billion, $20 billion? What, what is it that you think all of this entails? Well, I would say uh, to that, Kirk, uh, and you know, I know you're a veteran journalist to try to get a number out of me, so very smart of you, but I won't be giving the number today. It's something that will come in the budget, but I will say to you this. Oh, we'll, get on, we'll get it on Tuesday? You'll get a sense of uh, a lot of the commitments in the budget uh, uh, next week, uh, but okay. I will say this, that um, what's important to us and what's been important all the way through is we have been fiscally responsible. If you look at our budgets compared to all jurisdictions across the country, uh, you know, we have been managing the books in a good way. Uh, but of course, we knew in the pandemic we needed to invest and support people through a challenging time. We did provide some of the highest per capita support for people and businesses because it was needed. But we also know that we need to have a path to balance. And of course, Minister Robinson has said that many times, and you'll see that as well uh, reflected in the coming days and weeks ahead. Okay, so you've had a busy morning, busy afternoon. We're gonna let you go, uh, but thanks a lot for your help today, Minister Callan, and we'll talk again. Anytime, thanks, Kirk, stay safe. Robbie Callan, of course, is the Minister of Jobs, Economic Recovery and Innovation. I'm Kirk LaPointe publisher and editor-in-chief of Business in Vancouver. Thanks a lot for watching.